Um, sir, I'd like to order a Yas meal. Oh, one one Yas meal at Burger King served up to you right away with a side of controversy. Perfect. Want to learn more about what we're talking about? Well, hold on to your pants. You're in for a wild episode of Salad, the advertising podcast. Now, thanks for tuning in. I'm Trent here, as always, joined by Cole. Say hi to them, Cole. Hi. And and Zach. <laughs> How's it going, everybody? We're still working this out. Now, um, to kind of start things off with our roundtable today, um, wanted to call back to our previous roundtable where we talked a little bit about the consultancy purchasing of Droga 5 and what it's like for creativity and advertising as a whole. Now, there's an interesting article written by a lady named Sarah Koenig. Yep, Sarah Koenig. In Adweek the other day, it's called What is What It's Really Like to Work at an Agency When It's Bought by a Consultancy. Now, in 2016, um, she worked at Columbus, Ohio-based um, advertising agency Resource slash Emirati. Um, you know, it was the top agency in Columbus. They had work for Procter & Gamble, Victoria's Secret, Birchbox, and more. And, um, you know, they may have maybe... Some may have not known of them. I know Cole and Zach both knew about them. I didn't. But um, they did a lot of really great work, well-known. And um, they're sh- you're nodding your heads like you did, and I thought you did. It's okay. Anyway, we can cut this out um, or leave it in. But um, Just she, about it. We, we, she talks about how there was a buyout of their agency, and they were purchased by IBM um, for part of their consultancy wing. I believe they're now part of IBM IX. And um, it was just interesting. She talked about the background, what it was like being purchased. Uh, The gist was that, you know, they were kind of the guinea pigs because they were one of the first major ad agencies to be bought by a consultancy. Uh, Deloitte soon after followed up by purchasing Heat. And, um, you know, it talks about how there were great benefits that the employees found, but they were concerned about the corporate style of IBM cramping their creative style. And um, uh, the big takeaway from it was that, you know, um, while <laughs> creativity in Columbus, Ohio stayed alive, it was a little bit mixed inside the company. Uh, she talks about how, you know, through rounds of layoff and through leaving voluntarily, um, a lot of people left that ad agency. And now not nearly as many people are in the agency as when it started. Um, they had less clients, you know, and they're, they're, they kind of, a lot of people uh, were unhappy. Um, but fortunately, they chose not to leave the city. Um, they actually just opened their own agencies or went client side. And, and a lot of talent, creative talent, continued to grow in the city of Columbus. Um, and while there was one agency that had total dominance over the market, uh, suddenly it was spread out and democratized and a lot of different people were working. And it kind of led back to a rebirth of the traditional advertising model. Um, so while some of us, I know we talked about it last week, we may see it as a nail in the coffin potentially. Uh, it's interesting to see this uh, take and compared to what happens at Droga 5. Maybe people at Droga 5 may or may not fit into the market at Accenture or uh, the culture at Accenture rather. Um, but and good news is for the advertising market, hopefully more talent will continue to stay in the area and it'll kind of encourage people and light a fire under them to keep working. Um, so with that out of the way, we kind of want to talk about Burger King and their Yas meals. Um, yeah, Cole or Zach, who wants to start off here? Well, you know what? I'll, I'll, give, it the, I'll give it the old college try here. And now that we're... Uh... Trent and I have graduated college as well. <laughs> Congratulations. We, we joined, yeah, thank we joined you. Zach in the real world here. So no longer a college try, just a now sad young adult a, try. Slowly die. Yeah. That's yeah. where we're at. Here we go. Slowly die. Yeah. One step well, Just, just a couple episodes you said we work to live. <laughs> I do. I do. What's, what's you got to find, you gotta find that beacon. You got to find that beacon of hope. That's For it me, is. it's the Yas meal. Exactly. Yas meal. And, or exactly. the salty meal. And 
This is our point exactly. You know, we're depressed. We're sad. <laughs> we're sad. And so what are we going to do? Feel you know, my it, way. Exactly. Feel our way. So what uh, Burger King has done is they've done kind of a fun thing to usurp, I guess, the Happy Meal in a way and figure out a way to really kind of stick it to McDonald's with their own, you know, kind of signature product. And instead of Happy Meals, they are releasing real meals. Mm-hmm. So these are based off the thought that no one is happy all the time. And that's okay. And so basically, this is in order to raise awareness for National Mental Health Awareness Month um, and focusing on the fact that, you know, you're not always in a good mood, uh, you know, when you're going to Burger King and you're not always feeling your best. But that doesn't mean that you should have to feel bad about feeling that way. They want to promote mental health um, in individuals by showing you that, you know, it's okay to... Uh, feel a little salty because you can just order a salty meal from Burger King. (laughs) Extra salt on the fries, I assume. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's interesting. So with this, they created these these different boxes, the pissed, the yas, the degaff, the salty, and the blue meals, uh, each with their own designs. I encourage you all to look it up. Uh, Adweek has a great article about it. Um, So you can see the meals themselves. It was a social campaign that also had a musical film uh, that also ran on social. And it was odd. It was odd. Very odd. Adweek said that it reimagined their classic 70s theme, Have It Your Way. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was Feel Your Way. but while the the, the, the non happy meals kind of seemed to fit, the video seemed a little bit out of context. And Zach, there was a little bit of controversy, not controversy about it. Do you want to kind of touch on that? Yeah. Um, reviews were very mixed about uh, sort of this execution as a whole. A lot of people loved the concept as a dig at McDonald's. They thought yeah. playing off of the Happy Meal itself was really clever and pretty fun. Which I saw and thought that's yeah, all it was. Yeah, exactly. And on the surface, if you just saw a photo of the boxes or uh, maybe just like, you know, a piece of the print without really reading deeper into it, that's all you kind of understand. And, yeah. and a lot of people really thought that was, was clever and, and fun. Uh, when you dig deeper into it, you see that they're really pushing for uh, mental health support, which is in no way a bad thing to push for yeah. uh, as it stands. The the issue that people started to have, I believe I read somewhere that someone almost compared it to the Pepsi Kylie Jenner thing is Oof. can you solve depression? Can you solve, you know, all of these mental illnesses with a meal from Burger King because yeah. that's kind of what they're saying. You're not happy all the time here. Have a meal. They don't necessarily claim it'll make you feel better. It's not to the extent that that ad was in the sense that it's solving the problem, but just the fact that they're linking their So they're making the solution, a bunch of Burger King meals and, you know, to represent different mental illnesses or different states of, of feeling and being. And so a lot of people started to, to really take that deeper look and, and take a step back and be like, uh, hold on Burger King. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know if this is necessarily the best way to represent that you're supporting mental health awareness. Mm Mm-hmm. I I totally agree with you there. And it's kind of like, I mean, I feel like so often brands like co-opt these issues to act like they're their own. Sure. And I think it really kind of comes down to, I guess with this one, looking at kind of the strategy side of it, it's like, okay, Burger King has have it your way. So I guess feel your way, you know, that kind of equates. There was a connection. It wasn't like it was just out of a hat. Like they had something there for it. Yeah, exactly. So at least there was something behind it. And I think, I mean, it was probably done with all good intention. But again, I I have to kind of agree with Zach on this one. Um, The execution of the meals themselves, I think, is great. Um, 
and it was good at sparking controversy in a big way. I mean, I think just looking at the earned media, this is picked up by practically every oh, yeah. local news station out yeah, there. Yeah. Um, just kind of talking about that jab at McDonald's, um, which is which is cool for them. And mm-hmm. I think it's really good that they got that. Um, though, you know, I think the execution, the video just seemed a little out of place, maybe with some of the other work there. Yeah. But mm-hmm. besides, I think, I mean, it's a really good idea. And I love the fact that they're jabbing McDonald's with uh, yeah. kind of right where it hurts. Yeah. And that, that was awesome. We, yeah. we had originally uh, talked about this at work on Friday, I believe. One of the old copywriters that worked at our office that still does some freelance work with us sent it to my creative director and I. And we had a really good discussion uh, about it. And I was like, this is so cool. Like, I was like, I, I feel like they're Burger King has been doing a lot of really amazing stuff recently. Yeah. A lot of one-off campaigns for a lot of different reasons, but the the conceptual thinking behind a lot of them has just been has been really strong. And, yeah. and again, to reiterate, the the McDonald's tie-in I thought was awesome, uh, where people started to just feel a little bit wheezy I guess or just concerned at the direction they were going was was whether or not it was the best representation of mental awareness yeah mental and health awareness, it, it, it is interesting it is kind of funny though like they are one-off campaigns but I think if anyone is showing how a brand can use different agencies it is Burger King because it's kind of cool you've got oh, David yeah. Miami that helps Mullen Lowe worked on this and a couple others that are in the news recently you know it's cool how you can have like a different one-off campaigns with the same purpose of like attacking McDonald's and using different creative talent to like do that for different markets. Um, It is interesting though. Like I saw one tweet that said, you know, um, did they, you know, even donate any money or they just, jumping onto this and it, it was did. done in they did. yeah they did and it was done in partnership with mental health america for mental health yeah, awareness they month. did it they definitely did it the right way like but, going about it in that sense they yeah did that the right and way. there was exactly. some undisclosed some donated and I, I i think it's a great thing i think it just shows that there is a little bit of trepidation that people feel when looking at cause-based marketing mm-hmm. and it's a fine line to walk i i loved it as a as a as an attack on burger king you know i we discussed this earlier today before we went live and talked about, you know, I I hadn't seen the video part of it. So I had a totally different perspective and watched that and was like, eh, this is a little bit off. I get that it was a parody, but frankly, most people in the seventies aren't, you know, going to be really engaged with this to the same level that their younger base is. And like, so anyone our age and a little bit older, isn't really going to know what the seventies ad was and get that it's a tie in, Um, you know, and also it's just tough because I think, um, you know, it, it didn't necessarily hit the way some people might have wanted it to, but I think it's still a great call out, yeah. right? And like for me personally, I think advertising is a great way to take people who don't have a voice and give them a voice. And if anything, I think, you know, giving mental health, which in some cultures is more recognized than others, I think in the US it's being more recognized, but still has a little bit of stigma with it. I think it's cool to see a big brand calling that out and at least giving it a platform. Um, and, and, you know, frankly, I think this is just a PR play, you know, and it, and it did its job. It's not available everywhere. It's only available in a couple markets, but the amount of talk it's given to mental health awareness, even if people are pissed off at Burger King, it, people are still talking about it. And that's exactly, actually, mm-hmm. to that point, that's exactly what the CMO said, because he got questioned oh, okay. after it nice. came out, and, and people were like, oh, making some people sound love good. it, other people, yeah, making <laughs> you sound good. Other yeah. people are yeah. iffy about it, and his response was pretty much, people are talking about mental health awareness, and that's exactly what we wanted. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which and is he's great. not wrong. You know, that's a great thing. Yeah, exactly. It's starting a conversation, if anything. So nothing wrong with that. Yeah. And speaking of conversations, there have been a lot of talk um, about Avengers Endgame. Uh, No spoilers will be had, I hope. Um, But, um, you know, 
I think it's crazy to see how a movie in such a short time can already make two billion dollars, uh, you know, gross, and <laughs> it's, it's kind of insane. Actually, yeah. So the Cole, the, you want to talk on a little yeah, bit more? Yeah. So I, I, admittedly, I nerded out over this a little bit earlier. What wanted to find out how much Marvel and Disney, I guess, has made off of the Avengers series and just the first yeah. three phases and, of this. Marvel. And don't worry, there is an advertising tie-in. Exactly. So we'll get excited. around to it. Just you wait. Just you wait. We're currently but, building the salad. Exactly. But uh, so. So since the release of Iron Man in like 2007, 2008, I think. Right um, around when Gossip Girl came out. Exactly. So for those of you trying <laughs> to place that with other things in your timeline right there. But um, basically, uh, you know, when we first saw Tony Stark, um, you know, from there, there's been 22 movies since. And so over that period of time, they have grossed $20.8 billion dollars. It's like almost it's a billion, billion per movie. with a B, and that's over the course of twenty-two movies. And as Trent uh, said earlier, Avengers Endgame in over the course of about ten days has already made ten billion dollars. Oh, and, ten billion! Or no, sorry, two, 10 two billion. billion, two billion, two billion, two billion. Okay. Two billion let's not get ahead of ourselves. Exactly. I'm saying Soon to be not that exciting. <laughs> but uh, and also to put that into perspective a little bit, so the highest-grossing film currently is Avatar, and it took Avatar forty-seven more days. <laughs> to hit two billion than it mm-hmm. took Avengers Endgame, so we're probably looking at the top highest grossing movie of all time. Yeah, yeah. and that's uh, insane. Exactly, and then coupled that with also we had a really big episode of Game of Thrones last weekend, hour and a half long, it was longest ever, a ridiculous weekend. <laughs> exactly, and there were so many people dying. What a great uh, weekend know, for cinema! It's just like so, it was very emotional. We needed some, we needed some uh, fuel meals, real meals. Oh, we, honestly, you know, it lined up. <laughs> this so um but i think the thing that we really noticed about this is this is storytelling told in the long form yeah so both series have been around i mean game of thrones uh started in 2011 the show started in 2011 books obviously been around a lot longer avengers uh this new marvel take you know started in 2008 as well and it just goes to show that you know these brands they weren't necessarily making all of this money at the beginning i mean iron man obviously it was a hit and Mm -hmm. game of thrones took off pretty quickly as well but Mm -hmm. nowhere near the numbers we're seeing now i mean again this is uh uh, Game of Thrones is HBO's most watched show ever. Mm-hmm. Um, I think something like 17 million, 17.8 million tuned in for the first episode, which is their biggest premiere ever. Wow. Um, you know, and they're a pl- paid platform as well. So you got to think about that as well. Um, but they invested the time into it. You know, they took years to build these these brands up, these universes up that are now reaping amazing benefits for them. You know, some of the highest grossing content of all time. Um, and, you know, with peak TV kicking off and everything, it's really crazy. So I just wanted to talk to Trent and Zach a little bit about how you guys think that advertisers can learn from these successes and try to translate that into brand success as well. Ah, so that was your end game there, huh? Exactly. Uh, okay. <laughs> Um, (laughs) Well, I think it's interesting. Uh, There's a couple broad thoughts, right? Um, I think I appreciate how um, they stuck with it. I think that was a great point you brought up because I just think, like, Hulk wasn't very successful. They even had the main actor for it leave. Yeah. Mm Thor, like what Thor Dark World was forgettable. Yep. Um, almost made uh, Hemsworth uh, fall out of love with Thor. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like there were, yeah. not all 22 movies were great. But I think the takeaway there is if you have a plan, freaking make it and stick with it. 
You know what I mean? Like they had this roadmap, roadmap. they had phase one, phase two, phase three, you know, now we're getting into phase four um, and they just stuck with it. They trusted the process as Joel Embiid would say and <laughs> kept working on it. And I think that that's super important because I think too often, you know, well, even just CMOs, if they're only around for 18 months on average, you know, they often don't even get to see their plans carried out. And I think it's important for brands to remember, like, if you want to find a way to target a new market, you just because you can see a new tweet instantaneously or send a text to someone about your strategy and have them see it instantaneously doesn't mean you can influence culture or change mindsets instantly. Mm-hmm. It still takes time. Um, and, you know, it took the Marvel over 10 years to get this, right? Mm-hmm. And they've made $2 billion in 10 days. Like, the payoff is huge. And I think brands need to remember with their marketing strategies and their, their plans, like, you need to take time to really do your research, target the segment, and work to build at it. Um, you know, there's a reason why Nike has been so successful. They've stuck with one agency. Well, they, they changed from Widen from time to time, but, you know, they've stuck with one plan. Just do it for decades now, and it's so consistent and well-known. Adidas is starting to have success with this, too. You know, by working with creators and being this original brand, and, and I think too often you'll see brands change CMOs or change strategies just the flip of a coin, you know, and, and, and I think they need to continue to remember to stick with it because you have great payoff because of that. I don't know, Zach, what did you think? No, that's that's a really good takeaway. Immediately what I started thinking of is uh, executionally how this could play out in, yeah, in the too. brand world. Well, because, brand worlds, right? Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. it's 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 different, you know. You don't have two hours or one hour every week. Uh, you don't have as much content. You don't have as much time to to really create these love like this love for the characters and this yeah. love for the world in the same way you mm-hmm. can definitely still do it uh the bud knight was starting to do that um right and he's been a, a very strong very recent example the most interesting man in the world from dosa keese was a really good example mm-hmm. of this yep, where that exactly. man every time just the music played you instantly <laughs> recognized what ad was about to come on and you were you were ready for those fun little one-liners about his yeah. life so this is definitely something that's possible in in the ad world. Um, as we move a little bit farther away from traditional advertising, in a sense, where my head went is, what does this look like for the future? And, and as things start to evolve, I particularly thought about uh, how this could be implemented potentially like on social media, yeah. uh, utilizing social influencers or people's social, you know, Instagram stories or even just their feeds to create some of these, these stories that are either completely uh, self-contained on social or utilizing social to be the segue between the brand spots that you see on TV. Like there's some really cool ways to keep these stories going and you can get a lot deeper into the different uh the different characters and the different developments that these brands could utilize by you know combining your social strategy with your tv strategy and really trying to make this this world uh i guess sort of culminate into a bunch of different pieces and and, and having a bunch of different touch points in which the brands can utilize to to really get this world across and to Mm -hmm. get their consumers kind of enveloped into it it's funny too like i think that was kind of done when the internet was starting to become big too, which is funny to say, like the internet was starting to get big. Ooh. Um, but like, you know, cause I remember like, I don't know if it was Taco Bell, but there were a lot of brands or like Doritos or Mountain Dew or something, but there were a lot of brands that would like say like, 
follow along with this story like online, right? You know, like on their website. And I think that some of those were popular. I mean, Five Gum. Yeah, Five Gum. Yeah, Five, five Gum. gum. Like, there we go. And we all remember it. We all remember it. And and like this is like a pipe dream that like yeah. isn't affordable necessarily, but like I love your point of like just imagine if you could have your brand world and your brand story that you're telling through mass media and then you can do hyper-targeted social content like that sport, expands that yeah, world almost and, like canon for a film yeah, series or something and, and, you know and, and I mean like it's, it's sport, more pieces yeah exactly. sports teams have the most success when they're showing like player content behind the scenes and just mm-hmm. posting that as raw video mm-hmm. on their pages that's the most engaged content yeah like what if brands can take these stories and these brand pillars and show them through content that's enjoyable, easily digestible, and shareable. Mm-hmm. Like, that's how you get it. And, like, not every brand is going to have the money to dedicate to that kind of content, but I think that that's such a cool idea and, like, a look of what could be if you have the right budget. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I think I think so much of it comes down to, like, again, like, making all of these things across social. And I just think about even the conversation we had a couple weeks ago about the KFC influencer as well, yeah, right, you know, yeah. creating his own page for that. And then, you know, I was trying to think as you guys were talking, okay, what would be, you know, a brand like seasoned finale, so to speak? Oh, yeah. You know, and exa- and like the closest I can think of is like, I guess in the most recent Super Bowl we had with Bud Light as well, who's done a we the brand world, epitomization of brand world. Yeah, we keep literally back to them. <laughs> a medieval world. Yeah. But um, the closest thing we got to a season finale was you know we knew that there was going to be a big spot coming mm-hmm. we knew that they were going to show up with something i mean dilly dilly it's like you have to build dilly that. dilly and then <laughs> they came out and they wowed us with that game of thrones tie-in again um and so i i think it's just really cool to see that and so many of these you know successful series and brands are built around like lovable characters it seems like so many of these yeah. are the connection of the person so i love what you said trent when talking about sports teams and even recently, uh, I remember with the last Olympics, they were really trying to talk more about the stories of the athletes. Yeah, Sachi. Sachi and Sachi did exactly, a lot of that. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, yeah, so you, you, know, you know some of that stuff, don't excited you? excited to work uh, on that. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, but, you know, they, that's the content that gets engaged with most. People like learning yeah. about other people I it, guess. it was like the Behind highest the like the, exactly. the, the good odds ad that we're calling back to a little bit mm-hmm. too where for those of you who haven't seen it check it out it was good odds by toyota and it was a, a paralympic skier mm-hmm. who was missing uh you know legs yeah. and and it was kind of showing her odds of winning a gold medal increasing oh, as she really kept cool. working through it mm-hmm. and, and you know I, then like when she won first place it was one out of one um and that was great to see that journey. And I think that that was like, I forget the exact study that was done, but that was like the highest engaged or most remembered or understood out of that Super Bowl. So I think that that's a good tie into your point too, that that is highly effective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. All good stuff. Let's keep telling great stories. <laughs> yeah, stories are what make the ad world mm-hmm. and the marketing world go round. And Cole and I have a quick story to share with you right now. Wow, what a great ad. <laughs> Um, you know, happy to share that with you. And, uh, you know, Cole, speaking of, you know, ads and, you know, I guess social media too, that we've been talking about, um, there was a big kind of announcement with Facebook, um, F8. I think it was their fate to talk no about it. No more blue. No more exactly. blue. And, you know, the so they can't have the feeling blue happy meal or not happy meal, Burger King <laughs> meal. I'm so sorry. stole the blue from McDonald's still wins apparently. Oh gosh. Yeah. That's happy just meal like. Happy reigns supreme. It just still stuck in my <laughs> subconscious. Um, but Cole, do you want to talk about what Facebook was talking about? Because it has a great advertising tie in. I think also just social media is interesting to hear about too, just because of how big of an impact 
it has on our lives. Exactly. I mean, so many of the campaigns we just talked about live on social. Um, and, you know, that's become a great platform, again, for telling brand stories. And so we're going to be seeing a big shakeup with the biggest social media site, obviously, is Facebook. And so every year they have their F8 developer conference. And so the developer conference is kind of for people that develop apps for Facebook, you know, chatbots for Messenger, things like that. And increasingly, it's advertisers, really, that are wanting to create, again, interactive brand stories or, mm -hmm. you know, more intelligent chatbots or, um, you know, find better ways to reach their audience through more advanced targeting, things of that nature. And so this year, though, uh, you know, with everything seemingly expanding and uh, sort of social media and all of these brands getting more and more ingrained into our lives, Facebook is starting to pull back from that. They have felt the fire of the past two years <laughs> of scandals uh, and Mark Zuckerberg is ready to get out. And so he is talking about redesigning Facebook completely around Facebook groups, events, getting rid of the feed possibly as well. It yeah. seems crazy, but um, you know it could be happening. Um, and that along with a whole host of other features that are aimed at keeping it more private and keeping you within sort of the groups that you use the most. And so because Facebook has really seen that the groups and events are some of the most popular parts of the platform. Um, and so there's a few things, other things here. Do you want me to go into the other? Yeah, kind of touch on these keynotes okay. and we'll, you know, we'll dive we'll in. We'll dive in where we, where we see fit here. But another big thing is with Instagram. Um, so adding filters. But the big thing is that they're going to be possibly getting rid of likes. So they're actually testing this in a few different markets right now yeah. where you are unable to view the likes on a photo that is not yours. So if you make a post, you're still able to see how many likes you received, but uh, you will not be able to see what everyone else received. And so- Speaking so, of Mental Health Awareness Month. Exactly, I mean, right? I'm just yeah. gonna be sitting there refreshing where is it? Where are the likes? What's going on? <laughs> yeah. And so like trying to figure out how to, uh, you know, how you move on from that. So much of social currency has been built off of likes right. so far. And yeah. even though Instagram is one of the friendliest places on the internet, it's also the most competitive as well. Yeah. You yeah. have people jockeying for followers, likes. And so maybe taking that out of the equation makes it less contentious of a place and focuses back on the content itself. Yeah. This is so interesting because... Like, I, I personally love this move, and I think it should be done. But it's funny because it's just, like, the last year or so, at Twitter, like, changed its whole algorithm to mm -hmm. encourage engagement on posts versus followers. Mm -hmm. And, you know, because people would buy fake followers. And now, if Instagram did this, your real currency is your follower count, which is kind of interesting. But, like, the move, as you said, is to encourage people to post their own content that appeals to them. Focus on the content, not the reception. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, which I think is smart. Um, you know, I think everyone at one point or another has felt poorly about how a post is done and whether mm -hmm. that sticks with you or not doesn't, you know, it still happens. And I'm just curious too, for both of your thoughts, like how does this inf affect influencer marketing? How does right? this influence influencers? How does it influence the influencers? <laughs> because from my take, right, a lot of their clout is based off of the engagement, right? And the likes. And now you can still see engagement like from the influencer side, but for a brand, do you think that they're going to care if, like if I see a post and I see, wow, this person's talking about Coca-Cola and it got 10,000 likes, this is cool, I wanna know more. Or do you think that they're looking at it like, oh, this person shared it and it's Coca-Cola. Like, is someone going to care as much if they don't see other people engaging with it? Um, I'm kind of curious what you guys think about how brands will view this. Mm -hmm. um, this is immediately where my head went to as well when I first when I first read about this. And it's it's interesting because 
on one hand, you know, likes aren't the only metric. And right. you, you can look at comments and you can look at That's engagement true. and you can look at followers and none of that stuff is going away. So all of that will still be available to to mm-hmm. brands or anyone scouring uh, Instagram looking for new influencers. Yeah. The second thought that crossed my mind was, well, maybe they'll develop something in which if a brand wants to work with someone, they'll they'll have access to their like counts or something like that. Yeah, they or they can even it. still just mm-hmm. screenshot it and send it, you know? So there's that. Yeah. But- But even going off of that, I was thinking the like count is the easiest and quickest way to justify how someone's doing just at, uh, you know, a glance. Granted, it might not be always the strongest and most valuable metric to judge by, but it's the easiest to just look at right away. So without it, it's going to make a change. You know, the marketplace is going to have to change and brands are going to have to adapt in order to to kind of fit in with this. So I think it's a really good play because it. All in all, uh, the reason that they're doing it is is very strong and sound, and it's the fact that they want you to focus on the content. It shouldn't be about that number. It should be about the photo or, or whatever it is that you're – the video, the story, whatever it is that you're trying to convey is what should be most important. Right. But it's definitely going to shake up the marketplace in a sense. So I'm, I'm really curious to see if they come out with their own solution as well that happens alongside this. Um, I'm curious to see if this actually ends up being rolled out across all of Instagram. Uh, I'm curious to see audience reactions, the everyday people who are still going to desperately want to know the likes and other people's photos. Will people, you know, count their own and count other people's and if that's available to them, like I'm, I'm very curious to see what the reaction is. Will it make Instagram stronger for, Influencers, or will it just make it stronger for the community as a whole and influencers will lose a little bit of their appeal? Yeah. There are so many different ways that this can go just because of the uncertainty that's tied to that. That's my huge question. I, I, was, at interesting. A, I was at a work happy hour when like someone brought up like, does this cause people to leave Instagram and go to other platforms because mm-hmm. they want the dopamine rush of the yeah. likes? It's, exactly. It's really they might lose engagement completely yeah. or mm-hmm. lose uh, you know, their daily active users. It, it could happen. Uh-huh. It might not, but we really don't and know. Maybe, it's, maybe, it's a big test. maybe it's positive if you can still see them, you get it a little bit, but then you don't worry about it. If it doesn't perform, no one has uh-huh. to repost or anything, but uh-huh. yeah. Or does it just change, you know, do comments become the new, the new likes? Yeah, you know what exactly. I mean? Like if it's still going to show the number comment of comments, are comment. then people going to, yeah. Uh-huh. Are people going to exactly. then start caring about how many comments they have? And, uh-huh. and, you know, it, yeah. it's interesting because people, naturally are going to want to know how they're performing. You yeah, know, it's, exactly. it's kind of being relative to others. Exactly. Yeah. And when, when that, when that's out in the open and you can, you have something to judge based off of people are going to. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's cur- I'm so curious to see what happens. And, and also on that same thread, are they going to ban third party apps that, you know, go on the back end and count likes? Cause I, that's I guarantee exactly. you that someone's going to create a like counter that they can use to go see that's the right. number of likes that wow. they have, the number of likes that everyone else has. And are they going to actively try and seek out all of those apps and, and ban them? Or is someone just going to make one of those and everyone's going to download it that has Instagram and that's going to be that, you know? So it's really interesting to kind of see what is going to happen with this? Because there are so many different iterations and so many different avenues that we can go down. Yeah, mm-hmm. and Facebook didn't stop there, right, Cole? Definitely, no. Um, and I mean, just kind of circling back to Zach's point really quick. Yeah. I mean, 
I, uh, I spent time over the last year working at, at an influencer agency. And, you know, I, I feel like a big part of it is, you know, we think about likes. And I think for the personal end of things, likes are super important. Um, just because of the sense that, you know, Zach brought up, it's like authenticity in a way. You know, you see a post and you see a post that has 35 likes and a post that has 250 likes. And it's like you it's think quiet. about what what does that mean? You know, yeah. are you less likely to to like it? Are you more likely? I think Trent, that you're, the whole thing is like you don't know. It's <laughs> sometimes like, I'm a little bit less likely to like if I see it's not performing well. Exactly. Because you don't want to put your name with it, which is a really terrible thing to say. <laughs> exactly. But I think we've all been. I there. can't be associated with this lowly uh-huh. liked photo. No, you all convert cur- back to like high school or middle school. It's like <laughs> social currency, and when no one can see what you're doing, then we're all left to our own devices. I feel like. Um, and and it's kind of interesting, you know, because Facebook is really doing a lot of things to sort of bring the community tighter in and make us not worry about what other people are doing as yeah. much. Um, Why do but, you think that is, too? Well, a big reason that they're doing it is so they're Zuckerberg's plan, so to speak, is to bring together uh, Messenger, Instagram, and WhatsApp together into sort of a chat platform that would then be sort of connected to Facebook or in in association with Facebook as well. Mm-hmm. And so the point of this being is that obviously over the past year and a half, there's been a ton of talk about regulation. I mean, we have Elizabeth Warren actually running a, on breaking up the big tech firms in 2020. Um, you know, it's this is kind of a... T- uh, what is it? A monopoly moment, you know, sure. where it's looking like we could see government action. So mm-hmm. what Zuckerberg is trying to do in a way is combine all of these platforms together, eliminate as many privacy issues as he can mm-hmm. so that when the government, you know, whether it be the U.S. or most likely the EU is probably going to do it first, um, when they try to break him up, he says, oh, well, all of these platforms are too interconnected. They can't be broken up at this point. Mm-hmm. Or people get up in arms after they've spent a year being able to message their WhatsApp friends on Instagram and now they can't, you know, are people going to be upset about that? And so the point being, you know, maybe this is a way for him to kind of shore up and prevent the company from being broken up. But at the same time, it also pushes us and all of social media more towards a more private way of interacting with each other online, which I don't know. How are brands you feel like going to deal with that beyond influencer marketing? You know, we have feed ads. We have social paid social uh, billions spent every year on that. Yeah. Where do you guys think that money's going to go? We already have some messenger ads. Do you think it's an extension of that or we're just going to need to find new ways to reach these audiences? It's really interesting. I don't know. I mean, I'm I am I'm legitimately curious about how successful messenger ads have even been. Uh-huh. I mean, I'm well, you know what I mean. Uh-huh. Um, but it, it is interesting. I mean, because that's the thing too, and I don't know how fully we can touch on this because it's still being figured out. But like the ramifications on advertising right in a digital social space if these are broken up because mm-hmm. you know the reason it's exploded is because there's so many platforms that just work with the vendors and handle all that so you don't have to go to individual places and place ads on each website you know there's a there's one hub that you can say hey i have this ad and then they'll put it on all these different websites for you that target the demographics you want you know and google has a huge amount of that facebook has a huge amount of that so it's interesting to see what happens if it breaks up um you know 
I'm curious to see. This might help Snapchat a lot. They're probably very mm-hmm. excited about that because Snapchat chose not to be bought by Facebook, mm-hmm. and now Facebook might get broken up and lose Instagram. So that's a positive for them. Exactly. Um, and TikTok yeah. is already kind of pioneering with a lot of these things. I mean, TikTok yeah. has seen amazing success over that's the past crazy. year, well, and you can't even see. I, I believe you can't see follower count. Correct? I don't know. Yeah, yeah maybe. Yeah. yeah. I, I have to admit, um, uh, I haven't yet to be on TikTok, um, but you know, I you know. Shout out to Lil Nas X. Uh, <laughs> Admittedly, I've, there, I've had a few afternoons where I have gotten sucked in and lost about 15 to 20 minutes. The, hey, the videos are addicting and they're just so easy to scroll through. And yes, confirmed, you cannot see follower count. You can see amount of likes, though. Yeah, for those of you who may hear the video in the background, Cole is currently showing us a video of a man jumping upward in slow motion. He's spinning. <laughs> This just in. Oh, he's on a he's swing. He's on a swing. Oh my god. Uh, oh my goodness. Just wait till we can film this and you can see it with us. Um. Anyway, um, it, it is really interesting and like even still like you've got Vine too called Byte. Um, like you know, Megabyte is officially coming out too soon. So it's interesting to see what will happen. Um. Yeah, it, it's just very curious and I think going into this, you know, want to wrap up the show today too with what we're gonna be calling a bite-sized takes. You know. Yeah, <laughs> just take a bite out of that. Sound effects by Zach Potter. Um, You know, continuing with this salad theme, you know, we want to just kind of serve up what we think is like a good eat this week, but um, in quick takes. So this is how it's going to work. Uh, Cole, Zach, I'm going to describe an ad to both of you, and I want to kind of hear your take in about a minute or less. Um, you know, what is your thoughts on it? How does it uh, affect the market? Is it good or bad? And then we're going to kind of bring it back in at the end of it. But try and stay bite-sized if possible. So first, starting off, talk about Kentucky Derby drama um, with the first disqualification ever. Um, But before there was a horse disqualified for being that rude guy who cuts you in line. Um, Maximum security. Maximum (laughs) cuttage. These horse names, man. Yeah. Um, Speaking of horse names, is this a horse name or an ad agency name? Johannes Leonardo. Exactly. That horse name or ad agency video was funny. Yeah. Ad Week will always go and say, is this like a horse name or is this an agency name or like is this uh, yeah they'll go and like ask people like you know it's very funny so check that video out it's genuinely hard to tell it it is really hard so Mm -hmm. uh, Johannes Leonardo a New York based ad agency uh, who we've mentioned before uh, worked with Mass Mutual um, and they created these tiny billboards um, all over the Kentucky Derby kind of playing off the fact that people are kind of viewing it with their binoculars and there's these billboards that are hidden all across the, uh, the racetrack there, if you can call it a racetrack, I suppose. <laughs> and, um, you know, some are even hidden in the stands, some are hidden on the course. Um, and it's just a really interesting way to kind of break through the clutter, I thought. Um, and, and I just want to hear your thoughts on it, too. So, Zach, we're going to start with you and then we're going to go over to Cole. Okay, cool. Uh, so I only get a bite. It's got to be pretty quick. Or you can have several mini bites. You know, it's all about finishing the salad in a reasonable amount of time. Cool. Okay. Um, Yeah, these were awesome. I think, one, they did a great job of playing off of the history of the event with the binoculars. Yeah. Uh, Two, the concept tied in well to um, Mass Mutual and kind of what they were saying, which was take a closer look at your finances to see the bigger picture. Mm -hmm. So you need to, you know, see the binoculars, take a closer look. Uh, And three... uh, I love the creativity behind the fact that they're sort of breaking the rules and subverting your logic of what you think is traditionally 
available, which you can traditionally do with a billboard and, and yeah. kind of coming up with a new way of doing things. They made their own billboards, really. Mm-hmm. Exactly. All right. So I'm going to give you one big bite. Um, I think this is there really cool uh, just because it's, you know, thinking outside the box with event marketing, with, you know, sports um, and, you know, events and experiential, because it's like you think about a sports, you know, any sports game that you've ever been to and all of the billboards that line the, you know, the field or the court or whatever. And it's like, everyone looks the same, you know, you, you're just going to glaze over and you're not, you couldn't tell me, you know, the last game you watched, what were, what was advertised on those billboards? Mm -hmm. You don't even know, but this is thinking outside the box and complete finding completely new ways to reach those audiences. And again, it's tied in with like the sporting event itself. It's all based around this event with the binoculars. It's a great tie in. And like, I I don't know, I want to imagine a world where there's no like standard billboards in an arena. You would just have, you know, fun experiential things like this of brands contributing to the experience of the game with their ads, as opposed to taking your eyes away from, you know, what's going on in the field. Yeah. So I, I just think it's really cool in that respect. Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty good. First bite size try. <laughs> that was pretty good. good. And just you were talking about that, I imagine like a baseball team having a miniature billboard uh, playing off the fact that the people in the nosebleeds might be using binoculars and it's an ad directed to them specifically saying like, hey, stuck in the nosebleeds, go to this social page for this contest to win like field level tickets or something. Exactly. Like, it's just like a cool way cool to interact with people. Good exactly. And they play off of the environment, which uh-huh. is what Cole is getting at, which is mm-hmm. amazing. You know, that's mm-hmm. that's yeah. how you resonate with people and, and how you give them that moment of, of clarity. And then Yeah, and of speaking just, wow. of playing off the environment, mm-hmm. uh, we have something green to talk about. And by green, I mean, did you know that in France, um, there are billboards that when they're not filled, they have just a green color placing them. And uh, there's this flight company called Trans- uh, Transavia or Transavia. This flight company? Uh, one might call it an airline. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm the company. one describing the ad. Um, <laughs> rising up with, with new wings um, and taking flight here, uh, the company <laughs> decided to, I forgot what airline was again. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> they, they created the social experiential campaign, um, which was just, I thought a really cool way to break through. So there are thousands of billboards. I think 15% of them go unused during the holiday season. Um, so Transavia decided to hack into this, right? The green color that replaced the unused billboards was the same color as their brand colors. So they did this social campaign where they said, hey, you know, here's a geolocation um, kind of app to find out where all these different billboards are. We encourage you to go and find them. And it's geotagged. So you take a photo of this billboard and behind each billboard, you know, we've marked you'll get this free flight for this random location in the world. Right. So if I go into a, a subway terminal and I see this billboard and I take a picture of it, I tag him on Instagram with their hashtag and you know, if I'm the first one to get it, then I win this flight to this unknown location. And if I'm the first one that, or if I'm not the first one to get it, I don't win it. But through this, they got just tons of impressions and that for $0 practically, other than the cost to pay the social team to, to view the posts, right? They had all these people running around posting their hashtag, their brand, getting brand recognition, having people engaged with the brand. Very interesting thing. Curious to hear your thoughts. Uh-huh. Zach, we'll start again with I'm you. I'm going first again? Yep. All right. You said it was 15% around the holidays. 15% right. of the billboards are, are not taken. Right. 15, right? Cool. I, I was I was asking you. So what yeah, I'm saying, I think so. I've got literally one sentence. Wow. 
Transavia utilized 15% of all of the billboard market in France and they paid $0 to do it. That's all. That's amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Really going back to my last comment, use your environment. <laughs> it's like there's so many opportunities out there for, you know, interesting and cool media buys. Um, and admittedly, as someone going into media analytics, it's definitely something that excites me just because of the fact that there's so much more that's open in our world. And I think, you know, part of that maybe be might be the uh, proliferation of screens everywhere. Um, yeah. Obviously, this couldn't be possible without smartphones. Um, but, you know, combining these physical and digital activations in really interesting ways that actually really motivate people to take action. Again, it's like this wasn't just, you know, get a $10 coupon. This was you got a flight somewhere random, too. And there's yeah. like that excitement to it as well, that adventure. It's like Indiana Jones. Exactly. You know, you're just going across that map. Who knows where? <laughs> but yeah, going you know, across the map. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, well, uh, I, I'm no. And again, what Zach said, reiterating that point. Freaking amazing. Yep. And, uh, you know, finally, try not to hear this. Did you hear it? There we go. (laughs) David Miami, a regular darling of this podcast, uh, partnered with Coca-Cola to create several print ads saying, try not to hear this. And that was the only copy on the ad. And the picture was a full page picture of Coca-Cola in different forms, say, popping the cap off of a bottle or seeing it fizz in a cup. What are your thoughts, Zach? Um, this is my favorite of the three, first okay. of all. <clears throat> They're all really, really good. I'm very... Yeah, we don't, we're not putting down any ads. <laughs> uh, but, but this is my favorite of the three, just because David Miami knows this brand, mm-hmm. and, and Coke knows themselves, too. This is one of those things that Coca-Cola is so prolific and, and large, and you can just... It's it's almost I want to say omnipresent. That's not true, but like everyone recognizes it's at least channel. There are, yes. there are places in the world that Coke is cheaper than water. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> yeah. Point being, and there are places in the world where Coca Cola means bite the wax tadpole. So you know. <laughs> well, fun, you guys, fun fact. I'm trying that to take a... bites here. Yeah, let him. <laughs> trying to take bites here. True. I'm sorry. Let the man eat. Thank you. So basically, what I'm getting down to is is the fact that. They played off of the fact that Coca-Cola is such an icon and everyone is going to recognize these sounds. Everyone knows what it sounds like to open a Coke. Granted, it sounds the same to open any other soda, but the fact that they were the ones that decided to establish uh, their name and associate their name with that sound, which is something they've been doing. They have that ah, that they use. Yeah, it's like a sonic branding. Um, So they've been utilizing that sort of sonic branding for a while and to take the sound out of it and like describe that sound in print uh, is another one of those things that's just a very inventive way to use the medium. Uh, and it's going to, it's going to make you feel some type of way, honestly, just because you're going to read it and just, you're going to hear that sound. It's, it really is impossible to look at that and read that line and not hear what they're talking about. And that's pretty special. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I completely agree. I mean, this is like, again, like next level of like, I mean, Coca-Cola again, probably one of the most widely recognized brands on earth, but just, you know, you, you know what that sound of opening a Coke is like. And it's just like to have, like, even from back in your, okay, maybe if you didn't drink soda as a child, maybe you don't. But but if, 
you know, you drank soda at all at any point. If you're in you America. Know that, exactly. You you know that from your childhood, from like being out in the backyard, you know, it's a sunny day, you're hot, and what do you want? A Coke. And I think that it just so epitomizes the brand and it just it just makes you want one, you know? And I also too, as a nod to the copy as well on the ad, I like that they went with try not to hear this as opposed to try to hear this. Yeah. Just because it makes you, it's, it's kind of that whole thing. It's like, don't picture an elephant right now. Yeah. And of course you're going to picture. Uh, an elephant. Damn it. Exactly. <laughs> and so, um, I just thought that was really clever and cool as well. Yeah, no, that's a really great point to bring up. Um, yeah, the synesthesia tie-in was awesome. I mean, shit, man. Like, I was like, oh, man, I really want one. Just like you, I was like, I, I can kind of taste it. I, I don't know that I tasted the Coke flavor, but, like, I could feel Try that. Try not to taste this. Yeah, exactly. And then it's like a scented ad. There you go. Um, you know, level. I kind of felt that, like, carbonation fizz, like, though, like, in my, like, mouth kind of thing. You know what I mean? When you first take that first sip. Um it was cool. Like, um, I think both of you had a great points uh, to, to break that down. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, you know, that kind of wraps up everything we have today. Um, I hope all of you enjoyed this uh, latest episode of Salad, the advertising podcast. Um, you know, I hope I uh, hope you enjoyed the last week's interview with Byron. If you haven't listened to that yet, go check him out. He's a strategist over at Mullen Lowe's frankly brilliant and it was great talking with him and um you know we'll have more content for you again next week so hope you enjoyed this hope you enjoyed our new ad and uh you know follow along with us please on social media instagram at salad underscore podcast don't worry we don't care about the likes we receive (laughs) but we would love to have you follow along and stay up to date on you know our behind the scenes footage as well as our weekly posts so you can know when that next episode is coming out so from me, uh, it's Trent here signing off, uh, you know, saying goodnight from Tempe for one of the last times here before I move. And uh, if you want to take it away, boys? Uh, yeah. Hey, before I go, uh, don't forget to sign up for Madness oh, if you have Madness. Because <laughs> I'm going to I'm gonna run a shameless plug on here literally every week. Go uh, for it. www.madnesstrends.com. Sign up. I'll give you three of the best, most compelling stories in advertising from that week, all wrapped up in about a minute long uh, email that you can read. One might say it's it's bite-sized. It's pretty bite-sized and it's pretty fun. So sign up for it if you haven't. I promise. Actually, I can't promise, but I hope you won't be disappointed. Uh, I'm not. So thanks, guys. Bye-bye. Yeah. (laughs) Have an fantastic week, everyone.